0: Hey, this is Christian Golden. Welcome to our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope this message encourages you. I hope it builds you up. Enjoy the message. So how was y'all's Thanksgiving? Mine was great. I mentioned a couple of weeks ago that I had surgery, uh, gastric sleeve surgery, so I was able to eat one bite of turkey, one bite of ham, and one bite of pie. So... But I got to do it every four hours. <laughs> <laughs> so I always enjoy the week before Thanksgiving, especially now with all this high-tech uh, videos, the social media outlets. Uh, Facebook page is always flooded with hundreds and hundreds of ideas and recipes for all kinds of turkeys. Have y'all been seeing those or just me? Yeah, turkey, baked turkeys, fried turkeys, smoked turkeys, turkey sandwiches, um, grilled turkey kebabs, turkey and dumplings i've never heard of such a thing and yes even turkey tacos couldn't believe it and and what follows that those turkey and and thanksgiving videos is nothing short of a miracle because hundreds and hundreds of videos of how they make these succulent desserts you ever watch them videos am i the only one that watches them They got these, the the molten chocolate brownie pies with pumpkin pies stuffed with all these morsels and smothered with Cool Whip, little dashes of cinnamon and mint all over it. My first thought is, who are these people that can make these things, and where did they come from? And my next thought is, can I talk to you after church if you're one of those people? (laughs) Because it makes me laugh that no matter what we see on these videos, we always end up at Kroger's buying the little brown box with pumpkin pie in the same old, same old. Can we get an amen for the common folks? I'm a common folk. <laughs> Nothing extra. And I say that because who has time with kids and work and church and family to run around acting like Martha Stewart during the holidays? Definitely not me. Anyways. So what is Thanksgiving. I know we're a few days out and kind of late on the message, but I think it's uh, more than just the food that we eat. I'm going to give a message this morning about being thankful to God in all things, being thankful for God for the process of seed time and harvest, and just be thankful for everything good and bad in our life. So if you'll give me about three hours of your time, we'll get through this. I'm just kidding. Pastor Paul always told me that people will quit listening when their butts get tired of sitting. So that come from Padre, not me. <laughs> Thanksgiving is a celebration. It's a day that is filled with joy, it's filled with laughter. It's a day that we spend with the extended family, catching up on who's having a baby, catching up on who's gone to college, who's in the military, watching all the kids play run around. Everyone trying to figure out when Uncle Billy Ray is going to get out of prison. You know, stuff like that. The things we talk about around Thanksgiving meals. The real stuff. And how offensive it is that Aunt Shirley shows up with her own Tupperware to take home leftovers. You know? But nobody will say nothing to her because of what she did to Uncle Earl last year. Okay, I'm trying to be funny. Y'all can help me fake it till I make it, okay? Just laugh at me, even if you're laughing at me. Uh, Thanksgiving symbolizes the feeling of gratitude, of thankfulness that we feel towards God for showing us constant grace, constant love, and constant mercy. It, also a day, it is also a day that we thank God for the abundance of harvest that we are receiving. It's Thanksgiving is celebrated on the fourth Thursday of November every year. It's a tradition that far precedes George Washington. Who knows who that guy is? He's our first president. You'd be amazed at how many people don't know that. Millennials, obviously. (laughs) Not all millennials, just some. But it's been celebrated as a federal holiday ever since uh, 1863 when during the American Civil War, President Abraham Lincoln proclaimed a national day of thanksgiving and praise to our Father who dwelleth in the heavens. And somewhere along the line, they introduced Turkey, and somewhere along the line, somebody anointed some woman to create the pumpkin pie and thank God for that anointing and for most people in America it's a four-day weekend filled with football with leftovers the Friday after what do we call that Black Friday we all go shopping get all these great deals and I learned that they're they're good deals but they're not great deals because if you check the prices before what they do is they kind of jack the prices up so, on Black Friday, you really think you're getting these good deals and you're really not? You're really paying the regular price? Yeah, I know. If I had to sum up into one paragraph, sum up what my thoughts about Thanksgiving and what it means to me would be this Thanksgiving's all about loving one another, Thanksgiving's all about caring for the less fortunate. One of the great things that we do here at our church is we always make baskets and thanksgiving meals and we prep the entire thing the turkeys the hams all the groceries that go along with it and we bless families with that and i think that's an amazing thing because that's how you reach people's heart it's through food that's why we eat so much at church so we all get together and we have these community parties at church and we fellowship and it's good that to share that because when you reach out and you share these kind of things with other people it lets them know you really care And my pastor always taught me that people don't know how much you care until they care how much you know. And when you show up to their house with a bag of groceries for Thanksgiving, then they know you care. It's sharing our stories with one another and even sharing in our struggles. I always find it easier to go through hard times when I have somebody to go through it with. Somebody who can relate. Somebody who understands. Somebody who's seen the pain, seen the hurt, but also seen the joys of overcoming some things. On Thanksgiving Day, we live in perfect harmony. That's what I like so much about the Thanksgivings, is that we all just seem to get along to get along. We have these people in our our families that show up that we'd rather see them leaving than they showing, like Pastor always says. But we just get along to get along, don't we? And it's all about being grateful to not only God, but also your friends and your family. King David wrote in Psalms 107.8, Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. So how many of y'all woke up on Thanksgiving Day and said, Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you, Father, for the wonderful works that you have done in my life. Thank you for allowing me to see another day. Thank you for my salvation, Lord Jesus. Thank you that your son died on my cross for me instead of me. Thank you for my home. Thank you for my family. Thank you for my job thank you for my kids we could spend the first hour in the morning in prayer just thanking god for all the things that he's done for us and protected us from before we even get out of the bed 1thessalonians 5:18 it says in everything give thanks for this is the will of god in Christ Jesus our lord one of the things that the only thing that i dislike about thanksgiving the only thing that i dislike about thanksgiving is that, that that's the only day that we tend to call other people. That's the only day that we'll reach out to people that we don't normally talk to. And I know that's a Thanksgiving tradition where we all come along and get along to get along, but I think maybe we could start a new tradition that we could reach out and love the ones that we don't normally love in our house, and our, our families. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Can we do that? Can we work towards that, be a little better with that? I've gotten calls from my mom's, uncles, grandmas, sisters, cousins, nephews, dog, wanting to tell me thanks, happy Thanksgiving. I don't know you. You know, how many of y'all do y'all get these group text messages? One thing that really burns my cornbread on Thanksgiving Day <laughs> is to get a group text message with 20 numbers that I don't even recognize. I appreciate the thought, but does it mean anything? I'm about done with myself, and I'm ready to throw it in the trash. I, wanna, I want relations. I want to see your eyes. I want to feel your passion. I want to feel your heart. When I think about Thanksgiving, it reminds me of the farmers of America who makes me, it makes me think of all the work that goes on in order for us to be able to celebrate the things we celebrate in Thanksgiving, in order for us to have these wonderful meals and these, these joyous family gatherings that we have, Thanksgiving and Christmas and, and these feasts that we share together, Easter I always think about the farmers because they're the ones that put in most of the work for us to have the sweet potatoes, for us to have the things that make the pumpkin pie, for us to have all these things that they, the turkeys that they grow and the the pigs that they grow, for us to have Thanksgiving. I give that, contribute that to the farmers. Thanksgiving is also about reaping the benefits of the year where you've worked long and hard. And many of us have been in a season of hard work, of toil, of going through some things, making changes. And you go through these seasons in life and we're in the season now where Thanksgiving just came upon us where we're going to be reaping and just enjoying the fruits of our labor. And I want to take a minute this morning and to talk and compare our Christian walk with the farmers and how we give thanks to God in every season of our life. Can we talk about that for just a minute? The First thing that I realize that the farmers have to do when they go out and, and when there's uh, time for the season to start is they go out and they ground up at the ground. They till up the ground. They take these big tractors and these big combines and they spend weeks and weeks and weeks just in preparing the groundwork. And, it's, and it, what it does is it breaks up all the hardness that's on the surface. And as long as the ground is hard... No crops can grow through it, but also if the ground is hard, nothing that you plant on it can take root, and, and nothing can grow through it. The hard seeds will just lay there on the top, and they'll never take root. The groundwork is one of the hardest parts about the season of harvest, but it's also one of the most rewarding, and it's also the most important, because if the groundwork ain't right, what happens at the beginning will affect what happens at the end. If you haven't tilled your ground enough, if you haven't got your lands, dirt ready to be, uh, to have seeds planted in it, you're not going to have a crop at the end. And I want to compare that to us when we're new believers or coming out of one season and going into another season. The ground in our heart has to be cultivated. And oftentimes that's the hardest part because the hardness has to be dealt with. The hardness of bitterness, the hardness of anger, the hardness of addiction, and it's the weeds. Sometimes we got to pull the weeds up out of the ground as well, and the weeds have to be pulled out of the weeds of jealousy, the weeds of insecurity, and almost in a sense we could say that the groundwork is just the same as a foundation. If you don't have a proper foundation, you can't do nothing on it. If you don't build on the right foundation, which is Jesus Christ, You can't build nothing on it. So if you don't have your groundwork right in your heart, we can't expect that we're going to get an abundance or a crop at the end of the harvest. How many of you thank God for the new seasons in your life? I didn't used to because I'm a creature of habit. I get up every morning, 5 o'clock, sit at my desk, turn my lamp on, make some coffee, say my prayers. Most of them are the same thing for the whole month read my Psalms, read my Proverbs. I'll close my eyes and open it up to whatever and read a chapter. I'm that weird guy that does that. But I'm a creature of habit. And so I don't always like change. So when you're going from one season to another season, things always change. But do you always thank God for that season? Do you always thank God for that season? How many of you thank God for breaking away the hardness in your heart? I used to have a lot of anger and bitterness built up because of the way I grew up, because of my childhood. Always, you know, having to wear hand-me-down clothes, always being poor, always being on food stamps, always having to go to the food bank. And I used to always hate my life because of that. And I had this hardness built up towards my mom and, and, and my family because they allowed this to happen. But I had to have, let God till that land up, till that hardness off my heart to get me to a place where I could forgive And forget, well, not forget, I don't ever want to forget it because I also use that as fuel to push me to a better place. I love my mom. So how many of you thank God for pulling out the weeds in your life, the old stuff, the old habits? And one of the things I think about with Thanksgiving, to me, it's a daily practice that we got to wake up and be thankful every single day. Thank you, God, that I'm able to go to work. Thank you, God, for the friends that I have. Thank you for the person that's always poking me in the side, trying to get me riled up, Lord, because that's teaching me patience. I know you don't want to thank people for the bad people, but you got to thank God for the bad people, too. 2 Corinthians 5:17, one of the first scriptures I ever memorized, therefore, if any man be in Christ Jesus... Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. So that's part, all that old stuff is when you have the ground of your heart toiled up and broken, God's able to pull all that old stuff out of your life. And it's important that you have it pulled out because you can't move forward without it. But if you're a new believer, this will be the most important step in your walk. Allowing the Holy Spirit to break away things in your life. Allowing the Holy Spirit to break away things in your life. Thank him for it every chance you get. Because what happens in the groundwork ultimately affects the crops that come forth at the end of the season. And what happens back here is a setup for what happens over here. If the groundwork isn't right, nothing else will be right. If you're already a Christian, this step is also just as important because just because you grew wheat last season don't mean you're going to grow wheat this season. Y'all following me? It, don't mean you'll grow, it doesn't mean you'll grow it again this season. Just because you planted faithfulness last season doesn't mean you're going to grow faithfulness this season. Maybe God is saying it's time for a new crop. Maybe God wants you to plant some hope into other people's lives. Maybe God wants you to plant faithfulness into other people's lives. Maybe he wants you to plant grace into somebody that isn't showing you any. Maybe God wants you to plant love into other people. One thing that With every new season, there will be change. We have entered a new season here at Light Christian Center. Things are going to change. Leadership is going to change. People are going to change. It's a new season, but the vision remains the same. It always... You can go through many seasons in your life and still keep the same vision and have, and we have, and we will keep the same vision. And that's the one that Pastor Paul put forth. Our vision at Light Christian Center is the same as it has been the last 30 years, and that vision is this, and I quote from our website, people touching people, where the hurting, depressed, frustrated, and confused can find love, acceptance, help, hope, forgiveness, guidance, and encouragement. We strive to reach every ethnic group, seeking to enrich individual lives through preaching, teaching, and living the uncompromised word of God. Our desire is to help people succeed in reaching their God-given purpose for life now and throughout eternity by means of worship, ministry, evangelism, fellowship, and discipleship. And that's our mission statement. That's what it's been the last 30 years, and that's what it's going to continue to be. People touching people. The pastor always believed in relationship ministry. In other words, he always believed that you you made more Hedgeway for God and Christ having relationships, it's not what happens behind the pulpit that builds the church. It's what happens at the food gatherings. <laughs> when we communicate, when we share lives, when we break bread together. The, th- the other part about this harvest time and when I think about Thanksgiving especially, is the amount of work that it takes to go and, and to plant all these seeds. Once the hardness of the ground has, and the soil has been changed, so now it can be used. So now it can be profitable for a harvest and the seeds that are planted. And it's time that we start planting seeds. As, and as you're going into this new season of planting, remember what the Apostle Paul said in his letter to the Galatians. Galatians 6, 7, do not be deceived, God is not mocked, for whatsoever a man sows, that he will also reap. And then again in 2 Corinthians 9, 6, but this I say, he that sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he that sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So in other words, you get out of it what you put into it. You get out of it what you put into it. And this isn't just about finances. Every time we, we mention these the sermons about sowing and reaping, I always get messages about, you know, you're always asking for money. We're not asking you for money. It's more than just money. It's more than just finances. Everything you do in your life, you're planting a seed into somebody somebody else. You get out of it what you put into it. If you need kindness in your life, then you're going to plant a whole field of kindness into other people. And sometimes it takes more than one time. Just because you need kindness, just being kind to one person doesn't mean all of a sudden everybody's going to be kind to you. Sometimes you've got to work at it. You've got to work the ground. You've got to till it. You've got to get people ready and prepared. And you've got to plant kindness everywhere you go. In the sower, in Matthew chapter 13, when it talks about the sower, it says, A sower went out to sow. And what it says is that everywhere he went, he planted seeds. He didn't just plant seeds at church with the people who are like him. He planted seeds everywhere, the highways, the byways, the hedges. He planted seeds into people's lives that he knew was never going to amount to nothing. Everywhere he went, if you need forgiveness in your life, then you plant a whole field of forgiveness and start forgiving other people. And that was one of the biggest struggles I had because as men, we, we kind of feel like we have this underlying desire and need that we need to conquer and vindicate every wrong that's done to us. And there's a time and place for that. And that time and place is to let God vindicate you. So what what would happen is I would build up this unforgiveness towards people who's lashed out at me, who's lied about me, who said things that weren't true. And when you have unforgiveness in your heart, does anything else work? Can anything else work properly? No, it doesn't. But I had to start forgiving people. I had to forgive my dad. I had to forgive my friends. I had to forgive people at work. I just had to start planting this whole crop of forgiveness so that I could start getting it back. Yeah. Because I found out that when I would do something, people would just hold a grudge forever. Like, man, why can't you just forgive me? But they wouldn't do it until I started reciprocating that. If you need increased finances in your life, you plant a whole field of finances and start sowing into other people's lives. When it, start, when, when it comes to your harvest, to your harvest... You can't reap more than you can sow. Now, there's a scriptures that talk about reaping and sowing fields that doesn't belong to you. But that's taught, there's a different level for that. There's different requirements for that. What I'm talking about and what I'm concerned with is if you've only planted one acre of corn, how much are you going to get back? One acre of corn. You can't reap more than you've sown. So as you're going along in your life, my point is make sure you're planting. Every chance you get, not just enough to get by, but plant enough for it to have an abundance. Because I have found that in my life that my ability to stain in my season of need is often direct result of what I planted in my season of plenty. I know that sounded great. But I'm not, I don't even know how it got on there. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But I have found that a direct result of what I planted and what I did in my season of need often reflected what I needed with my season of plenty. God is wanting you to plant some things this season. God is wanting you to change some things up in your life because he has something in store for you. God has given you dreams. He wants you to plant them in the ground. God has given you visions. He wants you to plant them in the ground. I'm always thankful when God allows me to go into a season of planting because I know that the reward will be great. So today I am thankful that God has given me the ability to plant the seed of his word into my finances. That God has given me the ability to plant the seed of his word into my family, into my children, into the church, into the people at work. To every area in my life I'm able to plant seeds. And what's my point? That everything that comes out of our mouth should be a seed planted into someone else's. Everything that we do as men and women, as believers of the Lord Jesus Christ, should and ought to and must be a direct path to Jesus Christ. It doesn't mean that you beat somebody with a 15-pound Schofield, but that goes back to the relationship ministry, where you have relationships with people. You come alongside them. You plant seeds in their life of trust. Sometimes you got to plant seeds of trust in people's lives before you can plant seeds of forgiveness or seeds of you need to change or seeds of I told you not to do this. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes you got to build that trust. And one of, here's the, uh, another one that once you've cultivated the ground in your heart and you've planted some of the seeds in the ground, the next step comes in two parts, and I call it the watering and the waiting. You have to water the seed that you planted. Amen? And without the water, you have no crops. But what you're actually doing is you're not actually watering the seed. You're watering the ground around the seed and not the actual seed itself because the seed that's planted has to die. And I learned that, that all seeds have to die before they can grow. It's an interesting concept because when I think about Jesus Christ being a seed for us to start the church, He had to die. He had to be broken. And if he wouldn't have died, we wouldn't be where we're at today. But once the seed dies, the outer shell breaks open and these roots start to grow. So let's be real for a minute, okay? This is what God was telling me when I was working on this. To just be real with myself. What God is saying that there's some things in our lives that God is saying we need to bury and let die. There's some things in our lives that we need, God is saying we need to bury and let it die. Our old friendships, we got friendships. That's not saying abandon people, but we got friendships that they come around when they need something. They want to take from you, take from you, take from you. When you've got nothing else to give, they're done. We still love them, but sometimes you got to bury them. Old lovers. Old lovers. Old flames, they come around, they want to take all the best that you have to offer and then leave you. Old attitudes. And God knows I had to get rid of some of them. Old excuses. So many excuses. That's one of my biggest aggravations, I guess you could say, as a Christian is hearing the amount of excuses. Oh, I've been to prison. I can't do this. Well, my daddy did this to me when I was a kid. Well, my mama said I was worth nothing. Nothing. Well, I grew up poor, I grew up busted, I was molested, I was hurt, I was lied about. And what we do is we carry these excuses around like a backpack full of bricks everywhere we go. And we can't ever do nothing in our life because we're carrying this weight that we don't need to carry. We have to let those things go. And sometimes, be real, sometimes you can't just throw the whole backpack out at one time. Sometimes you take one brick at a time. And one thing that I've realized is it's taken people to come alongside in my life who will take the bricks out for me. Old excuses—you got to stop making excuses for what you can't be or why you can't be something. If the if the seed you planted doesn't die, it will never grow any roots. And that's one surefire way to see if what you say God is calling you to do is real or not. And that's the planet in the ground and see if it produces a crop because it can't grow in your hands. You have to let it go. You have to plant it. You have to let it come out of the ground. And that's to bury it. That's, that's, and you think it's God's will for your life and it actually goes for God's will, and that is to bury it and see if it takes root. And two things you, I want you to always remember this morning is that if it doesn't die, it won't ever grow if the seeds of of ministry are the hopes and desires that you have to be somewhere in Christ or these visions that God has given you, if you don't let it die, it's not ever going to grow. And if it's in your hands, you have to plant it. If it's in your hands, you have to plant it. So here comes the watering part. And this is a, a process in which the seed that is planted has to die. Then it has to grow roots. Then it has to produce a little sprout which pushes up the ground. But this is where most ministries die. This is where most dreams and visions fall by the wayside. We've done everything we're supposed to do right. We've broken the ground in a heart. We've allowed it to be fertilized. We've allowed the Lord to remove some bad things out of it. It's been conditioned. We've planted all the seeds that God has given us to plant. We've watered it. And then we leave because it's not growing or producing the crop as fast as we think it should. And that's where most ministries die, is in that process. But what we don't understand is it's trying to push through some things. It's trying to push out of some things. It's it's been kept in captive. It's been kept buried for so long. And we got to let it grow. And what we end up doing is we jump from one season to another season to another season And when you don't see the growth you think you should see, you quit and move on. And you start another season. How many seasons have you started in your life without actually producing a crop? And then what happens again is we go from season to season, and you never have anything to show for it. It's just like this vicious cycle, constantly going in circles. I always think about that as, as like Beltway 8. You know, you get on this beltway, and you, and you just go on in circles. The exits are there, but you'll stay on the beltway until you decide to exit. And our life sometimes as Christians is kind of like the beltway. We're driving in circles, and God gives us an exit, and we don't take it. And it's kind of like this planning thing. God's making a way for us, but we don't wait. We don't have patience. Just because you can't see what's going on, What God is doing below the surface doesn't mean he ain't working. And I had to learn that a hard way. It's blind faith, blind trust. Just because you don't see what's happening below the surface doesn't mean God is not working. Be patient. Give it some time. Don't be so quick to move on. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not in your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. One of the things about trusting is God is that it is absolutely great because that means that I'm not dependent upon me. I'm not dependent upon my wife. I'm not dependent upon anybody but God. He says trust in him. He didn't say trust in church. He didn't say trust in the pastor. He didn't say trust in your best friend or Dr. Phil or Oprah Winfrey, whatever the shows you like to watch. I still like to watch Bob Ross. I know, I'm weird. You see what I'm saying? He said, Trust in me, trust in God, and it takes all the pressure right off of you. You just have to be patient, and you have to let the seed do what the seeds are supposed to do, and that is to grow. And it's easy to trust in God when He does what we think is best. When God is on our side, when everything that we're asking Him and He's doing it, oh, well, don't we love Him? We're right up there with Him. God is great, and His mercies endure forever. We're praising him because he's answering all of our prayers. He's doing what we think he should be doing. But can we trust in him when he says no? Can we still have the same fervor and the same attitude towards God when he says no? Can we trust in him when he says to wait? Can we trust in him when he doesn't immediately answer us? And even still, can we trust in him when he says no? I want to share a story. I've shared before, but many years ago, I was working on a, a turnaround, and I, I actually transferred into the I&E shop at ExxonMobil in Mount Bellevue, and I was the only contractor in there that actually worked in the I&E shop. I was the only contractor in the entire plant that was certified to rack in and rack out these 41,600-volt breakers, and you got to wear these 100-calorie flash suits. They, they, and I said that because they spent all this money on training for me, Well, they had a hiring program, and so I went and took my test, and I was so excited. And when I came back, my first-line supervisor told me, he said, Tim, guess what? If your name's on the list, we're not even going to interview nobody. You got the job. And, man, I ran around that plant anointing every beam. Anointing, I started picking out where I'm going to put my desk. I would got out the catalog, started ordering my tools, my uniforms, and I was naming it, and I was claiming it, and I was praising God. Remember that, babe? I was so happy. Oh, this is my retirement job. This is my lifetime job that I've always wanted. And my first line, Larry Menard, I'll never forget him. He was a hardcore Christian. He came out to me, I just got off the JLG, I was changing some lights, and I came down, and he had tears in his eyes. And he said, "Tim, I'm sorry, but your name wasn't on the hiring list." And it broke my heart, and I started crying, and it, because that was my retirement. That was my life. I'd prayed it. I just knew God was going to give me that. And he didn't. It just crushed my whole spirit. I didn't even want to work anymore. I didn't even want to be there anymore. I found out later that they lost my test results. Yeah, interesting enough. So what happened, then two weeks after that, they come and tell me, uh, you know, we don't have any more money in our budget for a guy on maintenance, so we're going to have to let you go. So I got shipped back over to the refinery side. And I'm going, I got a point with all this about trusting in God, and I didn't trust, I didn't understand what was happening. But when I got shipped back over there, I finally had to make the decision, said, okay, Lord, I don't know why this is happening. I've claimed and prayed and walked and done everything you said I needed to do, and this still wasn't happening. So now I'm over here in the worst place possible, evacuations every other week, ambulances coming in. I mean, it was, it was, it was disgusting. Gas leaks everywhere. I said, okay, Lord, what do you want me to do? And it was a great time there because that summer I prayed with three people in the tank farm to receive Jesus Christ. To receive Jesus Christ. That summer the Christian starter kits were born that I've been passing out since 2008. That summer evangelism was deep rooted into my heart to go out and find lost souls and to pray with people in the corners and to be able to hug the unhuggable and love the unlovable. And all that was put into me after... My dream that I thought was my life didn't come to pass. But my point is, I didn't trust God, but eventually things worked out for my better. And I trust God now. I promised God I would never, and a matter of fact, in one of my prayers one morning, he said, Do you want, did you want what, I had, what you wanted for yourself, or did you want what I had for you? And I had tears in my eyes. I said, Lord, I will never doubt you again. If you say go, I'm going to go. I had to cultivate the soil at that plant. That's what I did as soon as I got there. And I planted seeds into everyone's life, but God still said no. And it's hard to swallow sometimes. It's hard to love God with the same passion that you love him when he's saying yes as when he's telling you no. But one thing I've realized is that I'm not God. Plain and simple. But the seeds I had planted were still good. The seeds that I planted in these people's lives were still good, but it wasn't time for them to sprout there. They were meant to sprout over here. And I can't express to you enough about being patient. I almost quit my job because of that. It's a process. Trust is a process. Give God time to work. Stay in prayer. Be constantly listening for his voice. And with all your heart, And that means with all your heart. That don't mean part of it. That means with everything that your heart has to trust in God. And if you have to let go and let God, let go and let God. And that's hard for us to do because we want to kind of help God, tell us what we need. We want to kind of go around when we're asking for a raise at work, and we want to tell all the bosses, I've been here for so long, and and we want to kind of plant the seed in their ears. Let God do what he's supposed to do. And now God may make you a squeaky wheel because the squeaky wheel gets the grease, but it, trust in God with all your heart. <clears throat> and that also means that once you've planted the seeds into the soil, once you've planted seeds into other people's life, once you've planted your seeds of ministry, don't go back and dig it up to see if they're growing because then you've got to start the process all over again. If they're meant to grow, they will grow. It's easy to acknowledge God when all his answers are yes. It's easy to acknowledge God when you get what you want. That's one of the biggest struggles I've ever had in my life, was to acknowledge and trust in God when I didn't hear what I thought he should be saying. So here we are. It's harvest time. You've cultivated the ground. You've planted the seeds. You've watered and you've waited. Now it's harvest time. This is the best part of the season, right? <clears throat> Amen. This is what we have, this is what we've been working for. And it's a time for rejoicing. It's a time to rejoice for all the years worth of labor. And here's one of pastors, four by four scriptures. Philippians 4.4 4, says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice. Sometimes I had a struggle on, on figuring out what actually rejoicing was because I don't leap and I don't jump so I don't know how else to rejoice so I just raise my hands and just say thank you Jesus, thank you God, I'm alive, I'm breathing, I got good health, one ear is bigger than the other but I thank you Lord for my bigger ear, <laughs> y'all didn't even know that did y'all, y'all didn't even notice that, see that just says how, much, how well y'all pay attention, <clears throat> at harvest time we also get to enjoy the fruits of our labor. Ecclesiastes five eighteen and 19 says, Here is what I have seen. It is a good and fitting for one to eat and drink and to enjoy the good of all his labor, in which he toils under the sun all the days of his life, which God gives him, for it is his inheritance. Thanksgiving is a time of reflection. One of the great things about reflecting on where you came from is you get to look at it from an eagle's perspective. Me and Daryl were always talking about the lion and the eagle. The lion and the eagle. And when you're the lion, you're down on the ground, you're pouncing, you're roaring, you're just busting through things, trying to live your life, get the kids to daycare, and you don't have that thousand-yard view. So when you're reflecting, when you've come through these seasons and at the end of harvest time, you get to reflect back on everything from an eagle's perspective. You get to see everything. You get to see the beginning And the end, all at the same time, you get to see what worked well for you and you get to see what didn't work well for you. Most importantly, you get to see how amazing God is, how he protected you from some things, how he opened the doors for you for some things that you otherwise wouldn't have had opened. Paul the Apostle wrote in his letter to the Colossians in chapter 3, verse 17, and whatever you do, Whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Everything you do, if God has a calling on your life, do it with every bit of passion that you can do it with. If God called you to be an usher, you ush. You ush (laughs) with fervent vigor and power. If God called you to preach, you preach. If God called you to drive a bus, you drive a bus whatever God has called you to do, and you give thanks for it. So many times in our life we look at where other people are and we think that we are supposed to be there when actually if we leave where we're supposed to be so we can go over there, then who's going to do what we're doing? If Benny decided he wanted to come up here and preach, who's going to clean? Benny's the most important guy in this church, in my opinion, without a doubt. He's the first person you see. He's the last one you see out the door. There he is. And he's the most humble person you'll ever meet. And he does what he does gladly. So as I begin to close this morning, I want to ask you some things. When is the last time you thank God for removing the hardness from your heart? When is the last time you thank God for cultivating your heart and just exposing some things? When is the last time you thank God for giving you something to plant, for giving you a passion, giving you a desire, putting seeds in your hands that you could plant? When is the last time you thank God for giving you patience to wait on his timing? I can assure you one thing. He's seldom early, but he's never late. God is seldom early, but he's never late. I believe if we all just took a moment from our busy day, we could find something to say to God, thank you. Thank you, God. How many of you would say there's, there's some things in your life that need to die in order to see a harvest? There's things in my life that need to die. Pride, arrogance. My mouth sometimes, I get to talking and I don't know when to shut up. I'm too aggressive, I've been told. Those things need to die. And I'm working on it. But What does God ask you to let die in your life? One of the, one of the things that I struggle with in my life is that I assume that everybody that I come in contact with is going to love and respect and love me the same way I love them. And I think those are unrealistic expectations. I think those need to die. I think we need to let people love us how they want to love us. But that doesn't change the way we should love them. What is God asking you to let die in your life? Some old flames? Hmm? That old old girl keep coming around? Old boy? Let them die. Let them die. Get them out of your life. Because if you keep going back to the past, you're never going to walk in the fullness that God has asked you to walk in. Hey, this is Christian Golden. I wanted to thank you so much for joining us today and listening to our podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, I'd like to ask you to do a couple things for us. The first is to subscribe to our podcast so you can stay up to date with everything going on here at LCC. Also, you can help us reach others around the world by investing today at lightchristiancenter.com slash give. Thank you so much for joining us. God bless you and have a great day.